All right, and good morning, Ridgepoint Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good deal. Hopefully better than that. Uh, what an exciting morning. There's been so much exciting things going on. Uh, first of all, in the first service, we had four people that got baptized uh, this morning at the end of the service, which I'll talk about this in a second. We got a couple more that are getting baptized. We're excited about that. That's a celebration. What Chris announced earlier, the idea that we took up an offering on, on, on one Sunday morning on Easter, and, and our goal is that through that offering, I was able to talk to the people down there this week, and, and just to know that that offering is being used uh, in the Dominican Republic to help equip pastors to be able to, to do their work down there. A lot of pastors that, that never put resources towards themselves. So for us to be able to do that, be able to help them out in that way, and then have above and beyond that, we're going to help out some local missions organizations here in the States. We're really, really excited about that. We've got a lot of exciting things that are happening. And, and these are all things to celebrate. And, and, and I love, and Alan was, was saying that song about uh, getting rid of the chains and, and, and how we've been redeemed. And, and I think there's something inside of all of us that we want to have just the, the shackles of life. We want to be free. There's something like, like we're longing for that in our life. We're in the middle of a series called Forgiveness. And the idea of forgiveness is that that freedom that we're looking for, this is week two of a three-week series, that forgiveness, the freedom we're looking for comes in forgiveness. And, and it seems like it's, it's so easy. Like, all right, I've heard this all my whole life. We're supposed to apologize and, and make amends. I get that. But I think this is a bigger deal than we understand at first. Like, I understand there's a spiritual side of it. We get that. There's a spiritual side to this. The Bible says we're supposed to forgive people. I I get that, and and that's cool. But it it goes deeper than that. And I think this is one of those topics that we can kind of overlook and say, oh, that's that's cool, and we're going to get there. But, But I think it goes deeper than that. Last week, we talked about this idea that in Jesus we find complete forgiveness, that when he forgives us, it, it's not, he doesn't come and say, well, if you do this, 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 and this, if you do all these things, if you go to church, if you're a good person and, and you do all these things, then I'm going to forgive you. Jesus comes saying, I don't expect anything from you. I just want you to accept the free gift that I have that I died in your place. And ultimately that it's through that we have complete forgiveness. This morning we're going to celebrate baptism at the end of the service. Baptism has nothing to do with the idea of, of being saved. It's a step we take after we give our life to Christ. It has nothing to do with, with what it takes to go to heaven or anything like that. But it's a step of obedience, saying, I've made that decision to follow Christ, and now I want to show the world, I want to show my friends and family that I made that decision to do that. And so we're actually going to invite this for, for anybody this morning. We call it spontaneous baptism. We do this every once in a while. But this is still open to anybody here. If, if you're here and, and you're like, what? How, how does that all work out? We'll take care of everything for you. But at the end of the service, with about five minutes left in the service, I'm going to dismiss those that are getting baptized this morning. If you want to join them, it's open for anybody right now. We have everything you need. All you got to do is show up. We'll take care of everything. It's real simple. A lot of times you're getting baptized, we record a video to share your story. If you get baptized this morning, you don't even have to worry about that. Uh, so if you want to get baptized, if you've not been baptized, but you've given your life to Christ, if you want to do that this morning, we'd love to have you join us at the end of the service. When I dismiss everyone, just go ahead and join them. Uh, we'd love to have you take part in that. It's a celebration. It really is. But this idea of forgiveness is a, is a big deal. There, there's a spiritual side of it. There's also an emotional side to it. You see, if, if we've been hurt in the past or if we've hurt someone, forgiveness can come in a couple of different areas. Maybe there's someone in the past that hurt us. We've not forgiven them. Or maybe we hurt someone. We've never sought out forgiveness, which is what today is really about. Or maybe we hurt ourselves. We did something in the past. We've never forgiven ourselves. Forgiveness is a big deal, and there's a spiritual side to it. But there's also that emotional side to it. You see, maybe there was a past relationship and we messed that up somehow, and we never sought forgiveness in that relationship. And now we're in a present relationship, and we can't get past this wall in the relationship. And we don't understand, like, why is this relationship still getting bogged down? And it's because we never dealt with the past. 
or, or maybe there was something, maybe there's something in the workplace and you're struggling to position in the workplace because of something that happened in the past and you're not able to get past that. Or how about this one? Maybe for some of us, it was a church experience. Maybe in the past, we were involved in the church and we got burnt. And because of that, we know, like, like I'm here, I'm kind of testing the water, but I don't want to get plugged in because I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt. Most of the time, the problem isn't in this new opportunity. The problem is that we never dealt with our past problems. And so because of that, those past problems keep coming up, and emotionally, we can't get invested in our job. Emotionally, we can't get invested in our relationships. Emotionally, we can't get invested in our church because those past problems are still eating away at us. And forgiveness, this lack of forgiveness is like chains that we put into our life and we can't move on and we can't get healthy because we've never granted forgiveness or we've never sought forgiveness in the past. So because of that, this is a huge deal. In fact, and we're going uh, to flip to one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's a book called Philemon in just a second. But before we do that, kind of laying the foundation for this week and next week. Uh, we're going to talk about Philemon in the next two weeks. But laying a foundation for that. This topic of seeking out forgiveness is such a big deal. That in Matthew chapter 5, the verses are going to be up on the screen in just a second. But in Matthew chapter 5, God is speaking how if we offend someone that we have to deal with that. And he says, Matthew 5 verse 23 says this. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. People would come, and in Jesus' day, they'd come, they'd bring a sacrifice, they'd bring an offering to God. But if they came trying to bring an offering to God, and they had relationships here that were messed up, God says, before you bring that offering, which is a tainted offering because you've not fixed what you've messed up here, leave the offering here, go back to those people that you've offended, fix that. And if you fix that, then you're going to be able to come in, and as we gather like this, we're going to be able to worship freely. Like, I love when we sing songs and there's rejoicing. I love when we're singing songs and people are like yelling during the songs and getting excited about what God's doing in their life. But we can only do that if we're fixing these things. See, God promises to grant forgiveness here if we seek it. But we're not always guaranteed forgiveness here. As we offend people and as they offend us, sometimes it doesn't work out. We're going to talk about that. But God says, do your best. Go out and seek out those, those opportunities. If you offended a brother, if someone has something against you, leave your gift here before the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Today we're talking about this, this book of, of Philemon, which is actually a very small book, to give a little bit of the backdrop. And, and I love this story because it's really a crazy story, how this whole thing transpires. And then it's even crazier the expectation that's put on the life of the believer in this story. But to give some backdrop so we understand where the story is coming from, Philemon was a wealthy landowner. He owned a lot of land. He lived in a city called Colossae. He, he had a big property, owned a lot of land. He lived in a city called Colossae. And, and Colossae was actually... If you read through the Bible and you come to the book of Colossians, Colossians is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the church that meets in the city of Colossae. So it's written to the church of the Colossians. So he lived in that city. In fact, he owned so much land, he was really invested in the church. Most people think he actually, the church actually met at his house. That's how wealthy, that, that's how big his property was. They actually came to meet at his church. 
Well, part of being a wealthy landowner in that day is they had servants and slaves and their property, and that's not condoning it. It just is part of their culture at that day. And that's a big part of this story was he has this property. He has servants that live on his land. And, and the servants were really considered the lowest people in, in their system, lowest people in their society. The only thing that could get worse than being a servant or being a slave is to be a runaway slave. Well, Philemon sets up, and he's, he's conducting these Bible studies, maybe even conducting church in the house. And his family's bought in, his family's doing this, and, and some of the servants are, are part of that, it seems like, it seems to indicate. But some aren't. One of the ones that is, and his name is Onesimus. And Onesimus actually gets fed up with the situation. We don't know what happened, but he gets fed up with the situation, and he runs away. Now, again, that's the lowest thing that, that could happen. He's a runaway slave at this point. And, and, and Philemon, as, as a slave owner at the time, uh, because of this, you could actually, it went as far as you could put him to death for being a runaway slave. That's what a big deal this, this crime is in, in their era, in their day. So he runs away, and he runs as far away as he can. He actually runs uh, a, a thousand miles away to, to the city of Rome. And that's a rough journey. It's by land and by sea. And he gets as far away as he could in Rome. Now, part of the story is back in Colossae. Paul had actually planted the church in Colossae. So Paul was part of that. He led Philemon to Christ. And then it's one of those things where, and if you follow Christ for a long time, you start to see how he works. There, there are events in our life where, where you just look at it and kind of laugh and say, of course that's how God's going to work. Like I just kind of anticipated that happening. I could see that that's how God works. That's what happens here. He runs away and he tries to get away from the situation, tries to get away from the environment. He travels a thousand miles away. Who does he run into but the same guy who led his owner to Christ? He runs into Paul, and Paul's a thousand miles away. He's in Rome, and actually at this point, he's in prison. And the crazy thing, he starts to listen to Paul, and he starts to be discipled by Paul. Eventually, he comes to faith in Christ. And he's really being discipled, and what we're going to read today, he's, he's like really bought in. He's really growing. And at some point, he must start asking a question. Okay, Paul, here's the situation. You, you remember back, back in the day, back in Colossae, you remember Philemon? Here's what I did, and he shares his story. And Paul says, all right, here's what you have to do. You offended him. You did something wrong. You have to go back. And that seems crazy to me. Like, isn't there an easier solution to that? Like, like I don't want to say, we're not condoning slavery. Like, that's not a good idea. Can I just stay here? Paul, we're getting along. Everything's going well. Can I just, like, I can send a letter. I can shoot off an email or a text or something. Can I do something else other than going and seeing this guy face to face? But Paul says, no, here, here's the deal. You offended someone. The best thing you can do is you can travel back a thousand miles. Travel back to Colossae and go apologize. Not just apologize, but repent, change your life, change your mind, seek out forgiveness. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I think sometimes we are good at dispensing advice. We start to, to make decisions and follow Christ. And say, okay, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's the easy thing. Go do it. But we don't give people the tools to be able to follow through on those decisions. Not only does Paul say, go back to Philemon, go back and take care of this, but he sends them with a letter. Paul and Philemon were close. In fact, Philemon looked at, at Paul, as, as Onesimus does, as his spiritual father. And so he says, not only Onesimus, am I going to send you back? I can't leave. I'm, I'm, he's in jail. He can't leave. Because I can't leave, I'm going to send a letter with you. And the letter is this heartfelt response to the situation. Paul's saying, I want to fix this relationship. I want, I want to make sure things work out here. You see, sometimes, and, and, and there's always going to be, like, situations that arise where there's conflict. And it's very easy for us to get uptight and, and, and 
to, you know, we know our side of the story and we're always the one that seems to be in the right. And so we look at other people and say, they're not right. Look at my situation. I'm the one that's in the right. And, and we, we partner, we get people on our side, rally our troops together and say, I can't believe what they're doing over here. Look, here's what I see. Here's how I did this. And then they're over there and they think the same thing about us. And Paul looks at his mediator and says, listen, I care about you, Onesimus. But part of the story is I also care about Philemon. And I'm coming as a mediator in this situation to bring those two worlds together because the relationship is more important than you trying to prove who's right or wrong. That's something that's so powerful. We are so busy trying to prove who's right or wrong and the relationship is more important than that. When my wife and I were, were first going through the process of adopting uh, our children, they had come to live with us and, and they actually hadn't come to live with us yet. They're going through the process of moving into our house. And we visited them. We visited in the restaurant. We got to know them a little bit. And then they came to stay for an hour. Then eventually they came to stay for the weekend. And they're supposed to be returned back. They're living in two different homes at the time. They're supposed to be returned back at the end of the weekend. Go stay there for a week and then come live with us permanently. Well, it was the summer. You guys remember when all the hurricanes hit? Like they're flying across the state. It was like they all kind of targeted Polk County. Like, it was crazy. They all kind of centered right here. The funny thing is, I was living in Pinellas County at the time, which we were used to hurricanes over there. And, and Tim, our, our former pastor, actually called me up and said, J.J., it looks like a hurricane's about to hit you. Why don't you guys come over here and stay with us for the week? And end up hitting here. I'm glad I stayed home. Like it was, uh, but all these hurricanes are crossing across the state. One of the hurricanes that hit the last one that season, it was actually the weekend that our children came to, to live with us. Or they are supposed to stay with us for the weekend. But as we're supposed to return them Sunday, the hurricane's hitting. So I called the caseworker and said, what are we supposed to do? Like, we're supposed to be returning our children right now, but there's hurricanes all across the state. Like, like what do I do here? I mean, I guess we get there if we jump and get caught up in the wind. They'll, they'll flash the house or something. But, like, what do we do? And they said, she said, how's it going? I said, it's going great. She said, you know what? They can stay there then. So the next day, as we're picking up the pieces, we actually went to, to the houses they're staying at to collect their stuff to bring them as they moved in permanently. And the story picks up. Uh, we're actually, as, as, as I was with my son, Hamid, to pick up some of his stuff. And when we go to his house, we're loading stuff up, and I had a, an old SUV, and we had one of the lift gates in the back. And, and me at the time was nine years old. And he was tall, he's kind of lanky, but he wasn't tall enough to reach the gate to pull it down. And so we're loading stuff up in, 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 the, in the SUV, and I think I actually had his bike, and I was putting his bike up in, and Hamid decides to help Dad out by jumping up and grabbing the gate and closing it. The only problem is I'm still underneath it. And literally, I'm like this, and, and he, he jumped up and he yanks down, and it hits right in the middle of my head. Like, I think I still have a little swollen still, I think. And that was nine years ago. Like, it hit hard. And, and when it hit, I didn't know where it came from. All I felt was this thud. And I heard the thud before I felt it. I was like, ooh, what was that? Oh, that's my head. That, that hurt a lot. And, and, and here's the deal. My, my personality type, I don't get really mad about things. And, but my son didn't know that. My son knew me for three days. And I knew my reaction at that point. Even though I was the one in this situation that was in the right, my reaction at that point was going to determine, short-term is going to determine how much he could trust me. If I flew off the handle and I started yelling and started screaming, it didn't matter if that wasn't my personality, that's what he was going to know about his dad. In the long term, my reaction was going to determine for him how much he could love me. And so I kind of rubbed it for a long time, and the whole way home I'm rubbing it, I'm trying to, and, and just, you know, and, and he's not one that speaks many words, but he's like, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and we you fixed it. Later on, we found ourselves in a similar situation. He's grown up. He almost shut the gate on me at one point. We started laughing, remembering that thing. 
Sometimes we're so busy trying to prove that we're right. And we throw away a relationship. And there are some people right now that, that you care about or that you cared about in the past. And it was a good, healthy relationship. And something happened. And you were probably in the right. But you were so mad that you threw away the relationship. And if you're not being, if you're being honest with yourself, you realize it's probably affecting you in your current relationships and where you're at. So Paul comes into this situation and he writes this letter to Philemon about Onesimus. And he says this, we're going to pick up in Philemon verse 10. There's actually no chapters. There's, there's only uh, 20, 25 verses. And so we're going to pick up in verse 10 of Philemon. Uh, we used to jokingly refer to this as Paul's postcard. It wasn't even a full letter. Um, but he writes this, this appeal to Philemon. And he says in verse 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So he says, spiritually speaking, this person was one to Christ while I was in chains. And so I'm appealing to you, Philemon. I know this is a big deal. I know he ran away, but I'm appealing to you for, for him. Verse 11, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful. This is important because Onesimus' name, literally in the Greek language, his name meant useful. But what happened when he runs away as a slave, he had become useless to, to Philemon. So Paul actually is trying to inject some humor in this situation, doing a little play on words, doing a little pun, to try to lighten the, the situation. It says, you know how this guy whose name is useful, he was useless? Well, guess what? Now he's useful. Now he's useful not just to me, but also uh, to you. I'm sending you, verse 12, I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Paul's not writing as an outside person who doesn't care about the situation. Paul's writing, sending his heart. Now, there are two Greek words. The Bible's written in Greek. The New Testament's written in Greek. There are two Greek words for the word heart. What we think of as the heart was the cardia, where we get cardio. But there's also a word that had to do with the intestines. And, and for the Jewish mind, the emotion, the seat of the emotion was in the intestine. There was a, a guttural cry that came up from deep inside of us when we were emotional about something. So when he said he writes from the heart, he's literally saying, I'm writing from the intestines because I believe the intestines is the seed of my emotion. And this is that important to me that I'm writing as a mediator that loves both of you. And I want to see that both of you can work this out because I care about both of you equally. Onesimus viewed Paul as a son, as a dad. Philemon viewed Paul as a dad. He said, I care about both of you. And it's in both of your best interest that you do this correctly. And if you do this correctly, the relationship can be restored. So we pick up verse 13. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. I'd rather him be here. This is, what a, is about what I want. I'm in chains. I'm in jail. I'm in Rome. I don't have a lot of people here. I would much rather, he's very useful to me right now. I would love to have him here. However, I have to give him advice to do that which is right. For my preference, he'd stay here and help me out. But I'm going to send him back through rough journeys, back to look you eyeball to eyeball, to be face to face, to meet with you about this. Because he says, I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. I could have demanded, I could have just written a letter and said, hey, Philemon, Onesimus is here with me now. He's a believer. Get over it. 
But he does, and he says, I'm sending him back to you because I want it to be about, I could tell you you have to forgive him, but it's much more powerful if you choose to forgive him. Paul realizes both men in the situation have to grow. Both men have to mature throughout the situation. And sometimes, my daughter, when she was in preschool, uh, you're at the point where you're conditioning people to apologize, and it's about more than that. And when, when she's in preschool, they're, they're conditioning, you have to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. One of her preschool teachers told her, sometimes sorry doesn't cut the mustard. In other words, if all you're doing is saying you're sorry, and you know, if, if your parents, you know, your kids come up and like, they make a mistake, you're like, you have to apologize, and they come up and they say, I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? I don't know, I just don't supposed to say I'm sorry right now. And we condition people to apologize But sometimes sorry doesn't cut the mustard. And it was hysterical because she got that saying down and then her brothers would get mad at her and they'd have to come and apologize. And they'd come up to her and she's four years old at the time. They'd come up to her and say, I'm sorry. And she's like, sometimes sorry doesn't cut the mustard. And and everyone would crack up and I'm like, that's good, but maybe not that situation. But, but, But apologizing and truly seeking forgiveness is about more than just coming up and saying I'm sorry. See, I'm convinced, and this is a big deal to me. Seeking forgiveness is more a condition of the heart than it is a word that is spoken. I can teach people to apologize, and they can come up with no heartfelt emotion at all and say, you know what, I'm sorry I did that, and then move on. Or maybe someone in your past that you hurt, and you know you hurt them, but you just think, whatever, they have to get over it. The problem is that we don't think that way. There are people who offended us and we never got over it. So how can we put that on somebody else? If we've offended someone and there's someone in our past that we have to make amends, then we have to go and realize the relationship's more important than me being right or wrong. And so we have to go and confront that situation and deal with it. Sometimes sorry truly doesn't cut the mustard. Let's pick up verse 15. It says this, For this is perhaps why he has parted from you for a while, that you may have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He says this, listen, back the way it used to be, he was a servant, he was a slave in that situation, and that's all he ever would have been. In fact, as we read, he wasn't a believer when he was still in that home, and as he wasn't a believer in that home, as he wasn't a believer in that home, then maybe this was all for a reason. Maybe God brought him through this whole journey so that on the other side, as far as away as he got, God is orchestrating this whole thing together to bring him to this point so he'd be more. See, if he stayed there, even if he became a believer, he'd be nothing more than a servant in your life. But he's more than that. He's become a brother. We're going to get into some, some important instruction right here in a second, but if, if, you, if you do want to, we're about to get ready for baptism. If you want to get baptized this morning, we invite you to join them. You can head out uh, as, as they get ready for that. But here's what I want us to get. A moment of uncomfortability can lead to a lifetime of right standing. See, it's really uncomfortable when we go through difficult situations. And sometimes we try to be right, and, and we're so busy being right, we don't care about those relationships, and we think that's going to be really hard. Like, I know I should go and I should seek forgiveness. But I know if I go and I seek forgiveness, that's going to be an awkward situation for a little bit. And I don't like that. It feels like if I put myself in that situation, I know I've offended someone. And I know I should go make it right. But if I go and have that conversation, that conversation is going to be awkward. And I'm not going to like it. And it feels like it's restricting. But if we put up with that moment of uncomfortability and realize that it's that important. If we deal with that moment of uncomfortability, 
then in the long term, we can have freedom. It's the right thing to do. Even, even if we think we're right, restoring the relationship is the right thing to do. But especially if we cause offense, especially if we've done something uh, to be wrong. So how do I do this? Real quick, I came up with six things uh, that just steps that we can take. If we're going out, we're truly seeking forgiveness. If you're a note taker, I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. If you don't get them, I can email them to you later. Uh, but if you want to write them down, that's cool. Six things real quick. How, if I've offended someone, what do I have to do to fix this? Number one, realize the sin is first against God. I know we've offended people here and we need to fix that, but realize our first offense is against God. David in the Old Testament, he commits this terrible sin with a lady named Bathsheba. He commits adultery. She becomes pregnant. He doesn't want her, her husband to find out, so he ends up having her husband basically murdered. Like he's done this, these huge acts. When he finally is confronted with his offenses, he cries out and says, God against you and you alone have I sinned. What about Bathsheba? What about her husband? That's true too, but our first and our primary offense is against God. And so to realize if I'm going to seek forgiveness, I begin by saying, God, I know first I've offended you. And now as, as I have offended you, I want to go and, and, and fix whatever things I can fix. If I've offended someone, I need to go and take care of that. Realize my offense is first against God. Second thing is to agree with God that the offense was wrong. To say, God, I, I know specifically, I want to name in, in detail what this is, and I know that this specifically was wrong. Because that's going to be really, really important when we get to number four. But number three, first, find the proper time to approach the person. Don't do it while you're both still mad. Like, you'll be in fighting. Maybe husbands, you're, you're fighting with your wife, and you know she's right. Because most of the time, they're right. But, but you know that she's right, but your blood is boiling, and, and you're, you're angry, and, and you're fighting, and, and you're getting mad, and then you realize at some point you're wrong. And so you say, fine, I'm sorry. No, you're not. You're still mad. Like, like you're not sorry at all. And, and you respond and you get angry and then you apologize and you think, that's it. I'm done. Sorry, I already apologized. What else do you want? It wasn't the right time. She's not going to get over it that quick and you're not going to get out of it that quick. Like it's not going to work. Wait for the right time. Give time for that season to pass. Let the emotions die down. And then the right time and the right heart, deal with it. Which is the fourth thing. And the right attitude, come to the person listing the specific wrong done and seek forgiveness for that wrong. Come to the person that you know that you've offended and the right attitude with the right heart and say, listen, I know I was wrong. Here's what I did. If we do that, it's a lot more powerful than saying, hey, I'm sorry. Shooting off a text message saying, hey, I'm sorry for how I hurt you. No, come to them, look them eyeball to eyeball. Say, I'm sorry, I know I offended you in this situation. Here's what I did. I need to fix it. Fifth, you want to make whatever restitution needs to be made. Paul sends Onesimus back a thousand miles. For us, it's not convenient. Maybe the person you offended is, is across the state. And you say, it's, it's, it's 100 miles for me to go there and see them. That's good. You probably have a car. I can drive there. Onesimus didn't have that luxury, and Paul says, go back and fix it. Number six, realize they might not forgive you. This is, this is powerful. This is important. We want everything to be tied up in a nice bow at the end of the story. I want, if I go and apologize, I know my, my final goal when I apologize is for our relationship to be, be restored, but we don't realize that there's someone else that's been hurt. 
There's someone else that's been offended. God promises if we approach him, he's going to forgive us. Other people don't always make that promise. And I would love, if I could, I would love to say, hey, here's how it works out. You apologize. There's music that plays at the end of the story. And everyone hugs and gets all emotional and everything works out. It doesn't always work out that way. But you're not doing it for the outcome. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do. In Romans, it speaks of, as much as it is possible, live peaceably with all people. In other words, at the end of the day, if you've done everything you can, if you've approached the person, if you've confessed it to God, if you approach the person at the right time, in the right spirit, listing it, saying, I'm sorry for what I did. If at the end of the day you do everything you can do, and the other person doesn't want it, you can go to bed at night saying, I, I did what I could do. The promise is not there that the other person is going to forgive you. But that doesn't change whether or not you should do it. We do family groups at our church where people meet around in, in homes throughout the week, doing Bible studies together. And, and I was viewing some material this week. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, we're going to do it in the future in our family group. But it's a, it's a story. It's a curriculum called Ed's Story. Really remarkable story. But the last week, I think it's a six-week study, and the last week it talks about forgiveness. And here's a guy who's going through an incredible life journey. And he, he writes down people in his life that he's offended. And he goes and he wants to take care of those things. And he said this, and it just struck me, like, like just watching it struck me how powerful this, this video was. And he said, there are consequences to the choices we make. Forgiveness does not overrule these consequences, but it's still the right thing to do. There are consequences to the choices we make. Forgiveness does not overrule those consequences, but it's still the right thing to do. Here's the challenge this week. There are people in our life, I'd venture to guess for most, if not all of us, there's at least one person in our life who we know our past actions have hurt them and they're not able to move on in life. Maybe we're not able to move on in life. This week, take time. I'm not, take, I'm not talking about a couple minutes. I'm talking about take time to think through, God, who in my life have I really, really offended? And then figure out what is the step I have to take to fix that relationship. I guess that's most of us. We find us in a boat where there's someone and, 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 and we want them to move on, but the truth is, they might not. But if we do what we can do, we go and try to fix that relationship and we seek forgiveness, then at the end of today, or at the end of this week, or however long it takes to arrange that setting, it might be going to see them face-to-face, it might be someone you can take care of uh, by phone or whatever, Skype them. But if I go and do that and I do everything I can and they don't want to move on, at least it gives me the freedom to move on and say, God, I did everything I can do to fix this. And I'm not going to live with the bondage of not having sought forgiveness for the rest of my life. Let's pray.